0: welcome into the Get Up Speak Up podcast. Such an exciting episode coming up today we have Chelsea Academy player Joe Haig calling in to chat a bit about what it's like to play for Chelsea, what his experiences with a few first team training sessions have been like and towards the end we're each picking three Under 23 Premier League players who we're predicting will have a breakout year next season. So that coming up at the end. Now of course because of the coronavirus this is another episode made from home on the phone. And this episode I've had technical difficulties galore. So twice this episode my audio will sound a bit different for 20 seconds or so. The conversation is completely as was. But if you suddenly think hey why is Marley ran 10 metres away from the mic to finish his sentence. Well it's because of this damn software which drives me insane. So... There you go. Now, before we get into the call cool with Joe and all that great insight, I just want to talk to you quickly about Ahead of Time Academy. Ahead of time- Academy are a new platform that provide all kinds of skills that the mainstream school curriculum don't give you. And using the promo code GUSU, you can get discounted access to their webinars, tutorials, future events, and much more. They've got some sick stuff on there. Deeper stuff like a webinar coming up on Thursday about going through the sixth form years and more practical skills like writing a CV for that summer job. They even had a Paralympic athlete give a talk, which is still on their website right now. So they have all sorts. I think it can be hard sometimes figuring out exactly what's services will benefit you. But the key is to look for variety and to look for value. Ahead of Time Academy really have all bases covered from specific skills to more general life lessons. So you'll be sure to find something that will directly benefit you. And then with the GUSU promo code, you're definitely getting your value. The GUSU promo code gets you 50% off the standard subscription. If you'd rather check it out first, then of course you can sign up for free. Visit their website to register. The link will be in the description. I've signed up for the standard subscription, but if that was not for you, the free subscription option is there and you'd be crazy not to take that. Whichever one's best for you, remember to type in your GUSU discount code to get your value. Now, on the line, we have Joe Haig, Chelsea's Joe Haig. Joe, thanks for coming on. No worries, no worries. Um, no, it's great to type you on. I mentioned at the end of my last episode I'm going to have a Chelsea Academy player on. And lots of people were very excited. I think lots of people are looking forward to some possible insight, to maybe training stories or anything like that from someone who plays for an academy of an established Premier League team. Because I think everybody... All us fans have our little idea of what um, a Chelsea academy or first team training session might be like. The attitude of the players, the attitude of the coaches. But I think it's going to be interesting to hear what it's actually like. So if it's all good, if we just dive straight into some of the questions that I have and I'm sure people want to know. And then at the end, we'll just do a little three player choice as to who we think is going to have a breakout season next season. Does that sound good? Yes, all good. Okay, let's go then. Let's see what we have. So I guess the first question I wanna ask you is what's a day in the life of a Chelsea Academy player? How much football do you guys actually play? Is it all football, is it fit like what do you guys do in the day?
1: Well it does vary, um, day to day, but the majority of time we uh we have to report at like eight thirty, eight forty five, um, for breakfast. And then uh mm-hmm. after that we do like a little pre um pre workout or Stuff to, to like help us before training, um, for like twenty minutes or something, and then we, and then we will be training football wise for like an hour forty five, an hour thirty around there, and then it will be lunch, and then after lunch you do like gym, mm. either de- it depends on which which day. Some days we'll do upper body, uh, um, then another day we'll do lower body. So it really depends on on what day, and then um, and then normally after after gym we uh watch our clips from a uh,
0: right yeah
1: from the weekend or the, the the recent training session just to like see where we can improve or or etc or um... Coaches will bring us in for meetings, that's like to help us. Um, other stuff here. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's 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 cool. That's, so, like, from a more of a footballing standpoint, without getting too too technical, but what does an actual training session look like? Is it passing stuff? I mean, I guess Chelsea will be different to other clubs, but is it a lot of passing stuff on the ball? Is it a lot of fitness stuff? Is what would most of your training sessions look like?
1: Normally, it depends really how the last game has gone. So, for say, for example, <laughs> if we if we really struggled on like certain areas, then we'd practice on on, on the, those certain areas to to better for the next game. But um, we try and just pretty much everything, in it and just to like always be the fittest team out of out of all the teams as well. Just to so if we know that we're the fittest team, then then we can also practice our technical ability so be better than every team.
0: Mm, yeah, that sounds good. So, what's it been like then? through this quarantine and social distancing with coronavirus, what training have you done day to day? Are you guys back at training now? What does that look like?
1: Well, throughout the whole lockdown, we've been uh, given like weekly planners and, um, stuff for everyone to do, um, using Strava and like running, and we have to record our times and then we have like Zoom calls, um, for like hit sessions and yoga sessions. So we've been doing <laughs> stuff every single day. Um, We're not back yet, though. Don't get
0: the same treatment as the first team just yet, then. Yeah, we don't
1: know yet when we're back, but hopefully soon.
0: Okay, but it's been. There has still continued in terms of the Zoom and everything like that. Are you still doing stuff at home with Chelsea? Yeah,
1: yes, every day
0: okay and then i have to ask because i know how many training sessions is it you've had with the first team the chelsea men's first team is it yeah only only a couple yeah you've had a couple okay but you've had a couple i mean i have to ask what were those couple training sessions like to train with the chelsea first team and household names
1: obviously when the first when the first time i did it it was i was very nervous yeah Um, (laughs) yeah um but it was a big step up like uh, physicality-wise and like speed like they were passing the ball so much quicker and mm. and uh, yeah you just had to be like so much more alert to like what was going on around you.
0: What do you think is the biggest difference then between like under-17s, under-19s and then the men's? Is it the physicality?
1: I think yeah the speed and physicality definitely.
0: Mm. Yeah. Who was a standout was a standout performer in the, in the first team training session where you were like Whew, that guy yeah that, that guy's a baller. Mm.
1: Um, well, my favourite player in the first team is Mason Mount, so when I was playing with him, um, yeah, he he really stood out for me. Was he good? Are yeah, he... but everyone, everyone's good, though. there's no, there's no, not one player that I thought was bad or anything. Who,
0: okay, but, good. but, okay, but who was, who was the worst though? Come on, who was the worst? Nah,
1: there's not one player that was bad, There <laughs> that was not
0: one. Can't say one person that was like, ah, that first touch, mm.
1: Nah, nah. No, nope. if, if anyone,
0: if anyone, it would be it would be me. Nah, you're being yeah. See, that's such a ugh, that's such a football player's answer. I can't believe you can't float a name. <laughs> <laughs> well, from from like you know football, someone who plays a little bit of football. A lot of the listeners will be people that are pretty decent at sport, pretty decent at football, like football. And the thought of doing training sessions with Kante, Hazard, Mason Mount is all just like unbelievably exciting. Is there anything about being an academy kid for an established Premier League team which is really tough? Um,
1: obviously, it hasn't been an easy ride um, getting getting to where I am. But but there isn't anything I regret. Like there, there's had to be a lot of sacrificing. Mm, um, yeah. During, during my time, like parties, friends, and all of that. Yeah. Because um, if I unsacrificed that, I don't know if I'd still be. Where I am today, mm. um, but but yeah, it, obviously it's a lot of pressure being being where I am, and yeah. uh, constantly people could take my sport, etc. Like I always have to be on 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 top of my game. So, but yeah, I enjoy it so much, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: That's a really good point. That's sometimes what a lot of people like kind of miss is the sacrifice that it takes because you know there are a lot of kids in this country that play football and there are a lot of kids with a lot of talent and the thing that I find and my experience with tennis playing myself that separates the people who make it to the level you've made it at the age you've made it and people that don't is the willingness to make that sacrifice and sometimes you know when, when you hear yourself like talk about training sessions with household names like Mason Mount that all just sounds like what could possibly be downsides to that but I do think you're definitely right there's a level of sacrifice which sometimes doesn't get talked about so much um yeah, in football yeah. conversations that I, I definitely appreciate that and you know well done to you for obviously sticking by that and now here you are as a Chelsea player at 17 and you know not a lot of people can say that yeah yeah just um going back quickly in those um first team training sessions did you have any interactions with Frank
1: I haven't had too many sessions, so I haven't really spoken to him properly. now, but whenever like I've come around him, he seems he's a really nice guy.
0: Mm. We'll see what he does with the team. I wanted to ask you because in in my, a previous episode of the podcast, I did um, an overrated eleven. I uh, drafted an overrated eleven, and one of my picks was Callum Hudson Odoi as one mm-hmm. of the overrated eleven. And my main reasoning for that was. Scored one Premier League goal, and off the back of only delivering one Premier League goal, he's loved by all the Chelsea fans. He's been given this huge contract over many years. As someone who's seen him in training and stuff, I wanted to ask you: you know, what's he like in training? What's your opinion of him, and why do you reckon his production in training
1: hasn't quite translated into production in the Premier League level? Whenever I was younger, because I'm I'm three years younger than him. yeah, whenever I used to watch like the under eighteen games or something, yeah, he was always amazing and I like, trained with him a couple of times and yeah, he's just one of the best players I've ever trained with. He's just amazing. But going back to the fact in the games, uh, he's certainly still well, 9, nineteen eighteen and he's he had a fairly big injury as well. So I think he, he's gonna bounce back definitely. Like you know, there's no, no question. Yeah. He's. He's got so much time. So,
0: mm. what's it? What, what's he I mean, like in training? Is it just how quick he is? Is it his feet like? What was diff- what What's so difficult about? Him? Because we haven't really seen it on the Premier League stage against Premier League defenders yet. Oh, um, yeah. In training, uh,
1: he, he's just feet, feet, speed. Just I've seen like when he's training with us, he's been making people like left, right, and centre. So just <laughs> yeah, he's his dribbling skills are very good. Right. Okay.
0: Hmm. I'm gonna have to. I might have to buy my tongue on that. Then I, I trust you as your, your. I trust your judgment <laughs> from training. I just, I haven't seen it yet on, on that stage. But I'm sure he's been delivering on the training pitch because everything coming from Chelsea, from you, from Lampard, from that contract, from the fans, is just so positive. So there must be a reason for that somewhere. Another player that's um broken out from the academy recently, and the Chelsea fans again seemingly in love with is Billy Gilmore. I was wondering if you've come across him through the academy, if you trained with him, played with him, or have any insight into him.
1: Uh, oh, Billy Gilmore, yeah, he's um a top, he's a top lad, um like a, a proper a proper good role model for everyone, really.
0: Oh right, okay.
1: Because of his work, worth work ethic, um, mm. and just just his determination, like it's just. Really good to uh, for all the younger players. It's uh, pretty much following his, in his footsteps because he look look what he's doing now, which is pretty mm. amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. No,
0: he looks he looks very talented. That's interesting to know. He's also got that kind of work ethic, and is he that kind of kid? Then one of those like first in the building, last to leave kind of guy. I
1: Think so. Yeah, he is.
0: Okay, well that might be another one we'll have to. Um, watch out for you said before you um, said before that lamps Lampard is a is a good guy and all your interactions with him has been positive where do you think he is with the Chelsea team right now and where do you think um, he's going to take them going forward how far are they from competing for a title
1: well I I, I think very soon they'll be competing again because uh, the, the, when they play this this last season like they play really good football and I think one of the best in in the League football-wise, so with, with maybe a couple new signings I just brought in Zeek mm. and uh, and some maybe some more in this in the summer. I, I don't think it'll be too long before before they'll start winning trophies. Mm.
0: Need to get need to get need to get Joe Hagen in the first team. Otherwise, I'll win some <laughs> trophies. Well. <laughs> I know that I know that even though you're obviously a Chelsea boy now, you wear the tracks every day, you're part of the academy. You are a Liverpool fan, right? You are still a Liverpool fan. What's it been like being a fan of Liverpool through COVID? So close yet so far it's kind of just teaching there. We all know you're gonna win it, sadly, but obviously the virus and the suspension of matches has prevented it becoming official so far. What's that been like?
1: Well, uh, as soon as the Premier League starts, Liverpool are gonna win the league realistically. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that, really, but um, has taken a little bit longer than I'd have liked.
0: No, yeah, it's, it's taken a while. <laughs> I've been kind yeah. of clinging on to every possible chance that something might happen, but it looks like, ultimately, the Liverpool faithful are going to get their wish.
1: Yes, at, lo- at long last.
0: At long last. Oh, hooray. Um, okay, quickly moving on from that sad subject. I have an interesting question for you, and this is something which I guess might be a difficult question to answer, but I'm hoping there's something here to look into. And it's about, what's the kind of general vibe or attitude like amongst you academy players? As in, are you always purely happy for each other like throughout the academy? when someone gets a first team call-up or is there that competitiveness between each other kind of jostling for position where really if someone else gets a first team call-up you'd rather it was you and and is that a difficult thing to balance because every Chelsea academy player and any academy player of any club isn't going to make it to the first team so what's it like balancing Initially, but you mean your teammates with your under seventeen, under nineteen team, you're all teammates. But within that match, only a select few of, of those people will be pushed forward to the first team. So, what's that kind of environment like? Uh,
1: well, first of all, look, every, all of my teammates they're all my friends. So yeah, like, of no course, what, yeah. What happens? Like, I'm gonna be um, proud of them and and happy for them, wh- what they do obviously football is like you want to do like as best as you can as well, so you've always got to be thinking about yourself. Um so obviously there is there is competition and you want it to be you um being in the first team and training. Yeah. But, uh, but if, if one of my friends gets for example then I'm like, ecstatic for them. But I've just got to then show why I should be there too.
0: Mm. You but know what I mean? Like, is, is that a is that a difficult thing to balance? Um, uh, I guess
1: it's just you just got to wait for your chance really and you just got to show why you should be there. Um, but if, if like, all my friends are getting it and I'm not then maybe I get a little bit like, not upset but a little bit like it, it pushes me on like harder to, to, to get to mm. where they
0: are yeah 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 I get that I think I just I just can imagine how you know like you say you're all friends you're all teammates you're all the same age you've all come up the ranks together and then it might it must be... Because it's it's such an incredible... Dream. like So many kids who are into sport and into football and play sport and play football would love to play for an established Premier League team. That's like the dream of so many kids. So when you get to that stage and it's so close, I can just imagine it being, in many ways, a difficult thing to balance mentally between being desperate to impress yourself and push further to the first team, but also loving... The boys and being proud of them who you've come up through the ages with. And um, that's interesting to you. So I think that's a a, a commendable attitude to have of proud of everyone who, you know, who does make it. But, you know, football is a competitive sport and whenever they do, it pushes me to be better. I think that's probably the attitude conducive to success in that environment. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And just on that, talking about players that are through other than, of course, Joe Haig, who. Who do you think uh, maybe that you've seen in the Chelsea Academy, perhaps older than you, so closer to breaking through? Who you can tip your hat to us? Maybe names that we don't know yet, like Billy Gilmore. None of us knew him at the start of the season. Are there any names where you're like, oh yeah, nah, I've played against that guy, I've trained with that guy. He's a baller. Like, look out for him. Is there anyone who you think's almost breaking through that we might we might know their name soon?
1: this kid in the year above me called uh he I think he signed a new deal today actually. Oh really? Um Tino Andrin. Tina Andrien. Oh, Tina He's played
0: Tino, Tino Andrin? Played. Yeah, he's
1: played the first team a couple times I think already. But yeah, he's he's very good. He plays like attacking midfielderish.
0: Okay, well we we can look out we can look out for him in the coming season then we'll see we'll see if we know that name come next year the way we now know Billy Gilmore and Mason Mount. And on that, uh, like I just like I introduced at the start, just speaking to you as an academy kid and talking about the academy and breaking through, um, I thought it would be nice to end the podcast with touting three names for next season. Under-23 Premier League players, don't have to be English, who we think is going to maybe have a breakout year next year and by breakout year I mean not necessarily a year where we go from never having heard of them to having heard of them but a year where they they take their game to another level they move from okay to good or from good to great or from great yeah. to one of the best in the Premier League I say you go first then me then you then me then you then me and we see how we go so who's your first name who do you think mm, that person's gonna have a breakout year next season in the Prem?
1: Curtis Jones
0: Oh, that's the name. Is that the Liverpool player?
1: Yeah. Um, when I've watched him in like the, the UEFA Youth League and like when he when he's played a couple of times for the for the first team, he's always uh, stood out. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm gonna pick Curtis Jones.
0: Curtis Jones. Okay, first name to watch out for. I'm gonna go. Um, you've it look at us. Oh, look at our bias. You've gone for a Liverpool player. My first pick's a United player. Just can't help ourselves. I think this player is way. Um, more known maybe a bit of a safer pick on my part but I'm gonna go for Mason Greenwood and that's because at the moment and this season he's definitely a periphery uh, forward option for us Rashford and Martial being the primary options but I think he's gonna have a season next year where he moves into being more of a starter for us playing more 90 minutes because Not a lot of people know this, but he had a better shooting accuracy and shooting conversion rate than Rashford last season. I think he's more of a natural finisher and Rashford would move more out to the left. He's very two-footed, which I love. And I think he's in a side where the manager is going to be looking to play him more. And I think that's always really important when we're talking about these young players. Schultzkar is going to want to promote him, want to give him the best chance to succeed. And everything I've seen of him so far... Tells me he has the talent to do so. He seems to score every time he comes on. So, my pick for next season to take his game from, I would say, a periphery player to a starter and from, you know, pretty good to great, I would say Mason Greenwood. It's a good pick, good pick. Okay, who's your second pick?
1: Um, I've gone pretty safe. As, I've gone for Phil Foden. Like, Oh, you I took think,
0: one of my picks. You took one of my picks.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this year coming up. He's a uh, well everyone knows and has seen his talent. Um, but I reckon this year coming up he's uh he might even get to become a starter soon. And I think he, he he deserves it as well. And uh yeah, he's a really good player. So I think this next season will will be a, a big season for him.
0: No, I, I definitely agree with you. That was my third pick. I also think because David Silva's going to retire at the end of the season, well, at least, at the very least, leave Man City. So I think that that skillful, left footed, uh, creative central midfielder is going to be a void which Phil Foden can fill. We know that Guardiola rates him very highly. We know that obviously COVID might have some implications in the transfer market in terms of replacing David Silva. So I can see Phil Foden moving more to the floor in Man City. I think that's a great pick. Damn, I'm going to have to quickly think of a third one. Um, Okay, my second one is again, uh, you know, again, a pretty safe pick. My second pick is Gabriel Martinelli for Arsenal. Um, I think this is one of the most under this guy is a bull. He is incredibly underrated. I really like what I see in terms of just when I watch him play. He looks like a finisher, and I think partly because Arsenal's best players, or at least their highest-profile players, seem to be concentrated at their attacking positions, the number nine position with Lacazette, Abamyang, even in Kessie coming back um, from Leeds on loan. They didn't sign him for much money either, so he kind of went under the radar. Because he hasn't played that many games because of that, it's a bit of a crowd out position. You have to look at the percentages and the rates and things like that when you look at the stats. And he has a higher shooting success rate than Lacazette, higher shooting success rate than Aguero last season. I think he's a clinical finisher and a bit under the radar. I can see him coming more to the fore next season under Arteta. And similarly to Greenwood, moving from that kind of young, new, peripheral um, attacking option to more of a central attacking option that plays more than 90 minutes in the Premier League, so Gabriel Martinelli is my second pick. Oh, good,
1: good pick.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to quickly think of a third one now, right? Hugo, you who's your final pick?
1: Um, I've gone for Tariq um,
0: Well, you see, you're you're, do- you're outdoing me here with the names. Yeah, it's impressive. Go on. Um, uh,
1: Brighton just bought him in January from uh, from Chelsea. Um. He's a right back. Um he I think he made his debut for Chelsea against Arsenal um, in like December or November. Oh,
0: is is he really short? Is he like very yeah. short? Yeah, I
1: think I know who he means. <laughs> sure.
0: I'm sure yeah. I am sure he'll love that, yeah, but I think yeah, I think I know who you mean. Um, but yeah, no, he, he he'll
1: um, definitely get some, some games in for, for Brighton, I'm pretty sure next season. What's he like? Oh, yeah. Can you tell
0: us? Can you tell us? Yes, I'm biding time for my pick. Can you tell us what he's like as a player? Like, what what do you think is good about
1: him? Um, well, uh, he's, he's just electrically quick. He's so fast, um, and going forward and defensively wise, he's he's he's, uh, he's good on both ends. So, um, so Brighton will, 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 will uh, like that very much I think so he'll be a good
0: addition to Brighton I'm pretty sure mm, excellent pick that was a name that I didn't know I'm sure a lot of the listeners didn't know but we'll look out him next year so my, my third pick I'm going to go with someone close to home close to where I live from the borough I live I'm going to go with Tanganga for Tottenham and that's because I saw him come into the Tottenham team and do a good job and I saw Mourinho trust him in some of the highest profile games even though he's very, very young, inexperienced defender like when they beat Man City 2-0 and in the Champions League as well. He's huge, he's strong, he seems good on the ball and I can see him being that type of centre-back that Mourinho will really like the physical attributes of and then work on him in that way Mourinho does. I can see him being an excellent centre-back for Tottenham at a time where for Tottenham's contract situation is uncertain. They might lose him and Tottenham were bad at the back last season. I can see Mourinho really working on Tanganga, and I can see him having a breakout season next season. So Hackney Boy, I'm going to go with him. Tanganga is my last pick. Hopefully, he'll have a good year next year.
1: Yes, good pick.
0: Okay, great stuff. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Honestly, that was that was really good. I'm I'm glad that we got a bit of insight into Chelsea Academy. I no, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, it really, it's really good as well to be on there. Thank you
0: very much. No, no worries. And of course, all the best of luck to you going forward with the football and keep working hard. And I hope, really hope, that we, we see you playing for Chelsea on Sky Sports in a few years' time. Uh, hopefully not doing anything too great against Man United or anything like that, but <laughs> it's a bigger <legal> thing. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming the there. Uh, cheers, man. So that's all for today. See you guys next time on Get Up, Speak Up.